NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Welcome, listeners. This is NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. Today is December 4th, 2023, and we are talking with Susan and David Schwartz, authors of the book, The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. Thank you so much for being here, both of you. Well, thank you very much for having us. It's wonderful to be with you. It's a pleasure. We um, usually like to just ask you an introductory question. So um, having um, married authors of a book is uh, and a book about Costco makes me want to ask for you to tell me something about yourself. Um, and you could tell me, how did you two meet? And were you already Costco fans or did you de- develop that love together? Well, we met when I came back um, from London. Uh, I had lived in London for 17 years. And I came back to London, to New York. I came to New York City in 2020, I'm sorry, 2002. And um, toward when I arrived, my father's oldest and dearest friend called me up and said, David, I have a cousin in Philadelphia. Her da- His daughter is in New York. She's single. You should take her out. Now, I had been married before, but I got divorced in 1996 or 1998. And my ex moved with my son to Chicago. So I was really single. I had been dating, but I was totally single. And of course, it took me about three weeks to get get to the phone and call her. And he, he kept on, on nudging me. <laughs> and uh, finally, we, we had a date at uh, Barney Greengrass. I don't know whether you know it, yeah. in markets uh one of the great um smoked fish houses in uh new york along with russ and daughters and uh well one thing led to another and here we are so we've been married 20 years um the book uh costco book came out about two weeks before our 20th anniversary so when david said what would you like for the anniversary pre- present i said I think we already did it. It's a book. We published it ourselves. We published our own book for our anniversary. <laughs> but we, yeah. we we have both been going to Costco independently for years before we met. Uh, I had my parents, you know, as I said to you earlier, my parents lived in San Francisco and um, and they were going to Price Club, which was very big in San Francisco in the 70s and early and throughout the 80s, actually. And then um, Susan, I, mean, I grew up in the East Coast in Philly and um uh, so my, we went to Costco, but um, when we met, it was a shared passion for, for Costco, but it didn't rear its really ugly head until um, I'd say 2016, um, David had just finished writing a biography of Enrico Fermi, an Italian physicist, and he was looking for another science topic to write about. And we were on a very long walk one morning, um, and uh, he was pitching various ideas to me for what his next book was going to be. And about halfway through the walk, I blurted out for some reason, why don't we write a book together about Costco? And he said, no way. You can see who won that argument. <laughs> it was actually a fairly brief argument. I think it took her a week to wear me down. That's fantastic. Um, so I really want to talk to you about making this book together. Um, but I do know you've been doing a lot of holiday interviews about this book. Um, 
And I, so I do feel like I should ask you something about Costco before we jump in. So maybe you could tell me something each of you thinks is great about Costco at this time of year. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I, it's great every time, all, all year round. It's great. Um, I think the thing that I love the most about it is that the quality of the products is very high. Uh, there are only 3,800 items in the warehouse, which means that it's very carefully curated by the, the buyers, both at the home office and regionally. Um, the cost, the prices are very, very low because they only mark uh, items up no more than 14% above cost. And you never know what you're going to find because they're rotating stuff in and out of the warehouse all the time. So every visit you go, you're going to find something new. Especially this time of year. So, you know, they, they really, they go all, all out for the holidays. Um, we just were up in Maine for the opening of the a warehouse there. It was the 47th U.S. state to have a Costco when we wrote the book. There were only 46. Um, and we couldn't resist buying caviar for $54. Beautiful thing with caviar. There you go. That's Costco. That sums it up. Yeah, and it's also, Susan and I are both struck by the fact that, you know, it treats its members right. It treats its employees right. Mm -hmm. It treats its vendors right. And, you know, it obeys the law. That's the number one thing. Mm -hmm. And as a result, shareholders have benefited enormously over the years. It's just a company that does the right thing when no one's looking. And that's mm -hmm. why we love it. Yeah, there's one thing that's not supersized about Costco, and that's their code of ethics. It's only 19 words. And David just pretty much summed it up for you. Obey the law, respect your members, respect your employees, respect your vendors, and the shareholders shareholders will be taken care of if you do all that. I was a bit wordier about it, but it was it's 19 words. Yeah. Wow. So that's and, why that's why we love the company. You know, it's just fun to be there. I, I like to call it my happy place because when I walk in the door, it's just like, you know, ooh, what will I find? And the price <laughs> And the employees are happy. After one year, the turnover rate's less than 9% for employees, which is spectacular. It's unheard of. That is spectacular. It's a really decent company. They, For me, it's a feel-good story about how you can do the right thing and still make money. Not as much as you could make, but you can still make money. And it's probably enough. Yeah. 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 So um, the book looks and feels and reads like a passion project and your love of Costco, like just as it did just a minute ago, really shines through throughout the book. Um, but I'm curious, uh, besides like maybe just a walk in the park, how did you go from being fans to saying, yeah, let's write a book? So Susan, I guess that's really your question because I already know it was your idea in a walk in the park, but how do you make that leap from, I love this place, it's my happy place to, I think I should write a book about it? Well, I think David had made it look um, uh, unfairly easy when mm -hmm. he did the interview book because we were working full-time together um, doing headhunting and, um, excuse me, executive search. And um, <laughs> David did the Fermi book um, by getting up early, and I mean like four in the morning, so working before 7 a.m. at night and on the weekends. And um, and he did a lot of travel for the book, and I went with him doing research, and it was a lot of fun. So I guess that made it seem doable, which is ridiculous, because trust me, writing is really difficult, and writing a book is really hard. Um, right. So I think it never we never had to grapple with the, um, oh gosh, can we do this, should we do this thing? And then we got an extra shot in the arm because our agent, who's really great, um, sent it out to 24 publishers and only two of them came back with offers because Costco would not commit to selling the book because the book hadn't been written yet. And when we heard those offers, we were sufficiently motivated to say, we'll just do this ourselves, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it took us, 
<laughs> this is going to be a whole story about why you should do things that are ridiculous. That's right. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, the nature of the book um, changed a great deal over the period from the time that Susan said, let's write a book, to the time that, you know, we started actually writing it. Um, we, we had our first idea was sort of an ill-formed uh, um, corporate history. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we, we struggled with that. And that's probably one of the reasons why Well, we initially had one agent who sent it out in 2017, 2018 timeframe to a lot of different publishers and they all said no. And it was, uh, I think, a fairly dry mm -hmm. proposal about a corporate history. And we couldn't get people excited about that. We changed agents. In November in of 2019. 2019, just before the pandemic. Mm. And, and this agent and his colleague, uh, I'll tell you, it's Jim Levine and Courtney Paganelli from Levine, Roston, uh, Greenberg, right? Levine, Greenberg, Greenberg Roston. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they we, we came in with this sort of ill-formed idea. And, and Jim said, listen, you guys, you're... you're you're so passionate about the book. You should write a book for people who are as passionate about Costco as you are. And, mm. and, and, and then he said, and my colleague, Courtney Paganelli had the idea of, you know, why don't you make it an A to Z by topic? So, you know, A would be Alaska, B would be books, C would be cashews um, and on and on. And, you know, like an idiot, I said, oh, well, it will write itself. Books don't write themselves. <laughs> and, and so, um, and, and Jim, Jim, Jim smiled at me. I think he was thinking, yeah, you, you are a complete idiot. And, <laughs> and so we went back and, and rewrote the proposal completely from start to finish. Now there still is a bit of a corporate history in there, but it is. It is and it's really interesting. And it is interesting, but, it, you know, to turn one of the problems with the original proposal is that while that corporate history, I think, is 25 or 30 pages, we were talking about making it a 250-page corporate history. And mm -hmm. you just it just doesn't work, I don't think. Well, it might have. I mean, Barbarians at the Gate is a great example of a, a, you know, a gripping story. But I think this is much more fun. And one of the other things Jim said that resonated with me is he said, who do you want your readers to be? And we said, yeah. the general reader. And Jim looked at us with the many, many years in the business and said, there is no such thing as a general reader. Who I'll ask you again, who do you want your readers to be? And that's when he said, I'd encourage you to write it for people like you. And so that was how we started out. And then we discovered along the way that not only fellow members and fans of Costco, but the employees, because there are 300,000 of them mm. and love Costco. As I said, the turnover rate is remarkably low after one year. Right. So as we got to know them, we realized, oh, they would love this book too. But it's the same target. It's people who appreciate what Costco stands for. Right. And it took a long time to, to get to that point. Yeah, and the, the proposal itself, well, in, at the end of the day, right, the proposal was irrelevant because at a certain point, we, we looked at each other and said, let's just publish this thing ourselves. And then the real work began. Um, when we agreed to publish it ourselves. When we decided- we agreed to with ourselves to publish ourselves, yeah. When we decided <laughs> ourselves, we still had not gotten cooperation from the company. Mm. Uh, the company uh, we, we had met the founders, of the co-founder of the company uh, in the summer of 2018. And we had six hours with him at the beginning, at the end of which, 
he said, there ain't a book here. There's, we're, I have no interest in a book and I really don't want a book to be written. And that's because he's very modest uh, about, about what Costco has achieved, does not want to blow his horn. And, you know, just is very, very, very cautious about, you know, profile and did not want a book to be written. And he said to us, listen, 50 of my, my nearest and dearest friends have approached me and said, can we write a book about you? And, and I've always said no. So I'm going to say no to you. Who the hell would are David and Susan Moore? <laughs> and two weeks later, two, we, we got back, back to New York. And two weeks later, he called us up and said, listen, I've been thinking about it. And I really don't want a, a book written. And I said, listen, Jim, you know, with the greatest respect, I understand what you're saying, but we're going to go ahead anyway. And he said, listen, I can't stop you. But that's where it stood in 2018. Wow. And and then in 2021, when we make the decision to publish it ourselves, we write him a note with uh, the proposal, the proposal as it is, the A to Z fan mm -hmm. book. And say, and and in fact, when we sent him the proposal, we hadn't told him that we were publishing it ourselves. So he wrote back over Easter weekend of 2021 and said, listen, Craig Jelinek, the CEO and I have talked. We think it's important for us to read the manuscript to make sure it's accurate. Can you meet with me? I'll be in Washington, DC. And we said, sure. So three weeks later, we're in Washington, DC with him. And that's when we told him that we were publishing it ourselves. And I think that made a big difference to him. Yeah. Because he took, um, I think he took a very different approach to us when I, we said, listen, the financial risk for this project is entirely on us. Mm -hmm. And we, we are happy to accept that. And here's what we want to do. And at that point, you know, we said we wanted to come to Seattle and, and if you could introduce us to some people, that'd be great. And that, and that got the ball rolling. Yeah. And we also offered up a full review and approval of the book without any sort of strings attached, because we really, we, you know, wanted to make it clear we didn't want to hurt Costco. We're right. we sort of stalkers. We might <laughs> like, them, but we're not, we don't want to harm them. Yeah. And, in, they, and, and to that point in 2018, when we first met Jim Sinegal, we, we had met a couple of weeks before with the chairman of the board, a guy named Tony James. And it was a reasonably straightforward meeting. And he said, listen, you know, I'm inclined to support this if Jim Cynical does, but you should know that this is going to be very countercultural and you're going to run into a lot of obstacles. And then he said, would you be willing to give us right of review? And we, like idiots, said, no, we're not going to give you right of review. Um, but our whole tenor changed once we made the decision that it was going to be a fan book that we wanted right. to present a very positive view of Costco because we felt very positively about it. Um, and, and we presented that to Jim Cynical that way. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing in terms of writing and teaching writing is something that our agent said to us, which we did not do, which is start writing now. Yeah. Don't spend so much time doing research. You can do the research, but start writing now because it's like um, your worst case scenario of a, a final paper that's due in college and it's Thanksgiving weekend and you, you brought it all home with you. You got to just jam it all in. It's much better if you start writing now. Yeah. I mean, we had a self-imposed deadline. We wanted the book to be published on the 40th anniversary of the opening of the first warehouse mm -hmm. in Seattle and working back in time, the timeline with our, uh, with our printers you know, the people who manufacture right. the book, we, we, 
we had to hit certain marks pretty cleanly. But every, everyone has deadlines. And just my point is just start writing now. And also, I, oh, learned, never sign anything without having a lawyer look at it. <laughs> so I would that because I because we work with so many teachers of writing and because I think in school sometimes these steps get separated out I did want to ask you about your research process um, like how did you learn all the things you know about um, Costco but I think actually if you want to say a few more words too about how those two processes were interrelated for you. Like, what does that, you know, what did that look like to be researching and writing? Well, we had, okay, so Costco is in 14 countries around the world. They're in, right now they're in 47 US states and then they're also in 13 other countries. And we set a goal for ourselves that we wanted to visit at least one warehouse in each of those states and in each of those countries. So we had a lot of travel ahead of us. And um, oh, that was during COVID by the way. So that was sort of a challenge. Um, yeah. um, but we, um, so it was important for us to get to as many of the foreign countries and to get to a representative portion of the U.S. So we didn't feel we needed to see every warehouse in the Southwest, but just representative ones. Mm -hmm. And then later on, when the book was further along, we could go and check those off, the remaining states. So that mm -hmm. was an important thing. Yeah. And then we also wanted to meet a certain number of people, Jim Sinegal introduced us to all the, the founding officers who still were alive or still involved. And that was great. And that oh, was nice. great. We, we also had access to um, some internal publications that Costco uh, produces for its, its employees, which gave us a lot of authoritative information about different types of businesses and how they do things. So I was going to say that the book structure, the A to Z, is intended to replicate the absolute randomness of being in a Costco. So, you know, <laughs> we were there on last Friday with um, a journalist doing an article about the book. And um, I love how we were looking at the bakery section and then you turn a corner, there's lots of chocolate, you turn another corner and there are car batteries. I mean, that's, <laughs> and then there's this $200,000 diamond ring. It's just completely random. So the book structure is intended to replicate that. Mm -hmm. It also made it really hard to keep track of all of it as it was flying around in terms of writing. So I had what I called a, um, the air traffic control uh, file that kept track of the, um, how many sections are there? I think there are about 70 sections in the book. 70 small sections. And, you know, who had seen which section? Had the editor seen it? Had the art director mm -hmm. seen it? You know, like, had we both looked at it? We were each writing at the same time. So that took mm -hmm. a lot of coordination that was kind of overwhelming. Um, and then we also didn't have a straightforward outline when we started. So we didn't have those sections all determined. We kept adding them as we went, as we found out more about the company. So it was kind of a moving target. And and some sections we would start writing and we'd realize that there's not enough there. So we would drop those. Um, and then we added one. And then, and then of course, in, in comes Costco because you know we had told them they had full review and approval. So we had to keep track of who at Costco had seen what. And, mm -hmm. we, and initially um, it was kind of um, very formal, sort of like parent visiting day at college or something. We would fly <laughs> Seattle and meet with Jim Sinegal and um, you know, over a two-day period and go through whatever sections we'd send him and then come back. And then eventually it, the pace picked up so much that we just would be on the phone with him like once or twice a week going through stuff. And that was that was sort of fun because the papers are flying everywhere and he's looking through this. That was actually the most magical part of the process, in my view, was getting to know the founder this way, spending hours and hours with him. And you know, he would read stuff and then he would tell us stories about you know his recollection of early days and how certain businesses happened and 
who was behind what. I mean, he um, there were times when he would say, I could write 50 pages about this, but I'm not going to tell do that because you're the journalist and you should you should figure it out yourself. But, you know, he was actually incredibly generous and open yeah. about stuff. And uh, it was magical getting to know him. Absolutely. We were really lucky with some of the people who shared. I think I think our enthusiasm for it, um, I think it worried people. Uh, like, <laughs> life. I think they also um, enjoyed um, talking to us about it because we were so happy about it. Yeah. We this afternoon and um, we told him we had successfully finished the promotional trip driving from Yonkers, New York to Yorba Linda, California, which is the Y section of the book. <laughs> telling him like the path we had taken. And then there's this long silence and he says, you guys should get some psychological help next year. Don't you have more time? <laughs> but the writing was really kind of um, magical because we each have different styles. And um, so we would, people would say, well, how do you divide it up? And the answer just is, it's magical. It's, it's seamless. We, we, but but the important point to note on this is that I have a much more uh, serious and dry, natural writing voice. Mm -hmm. Susan has a more humorous, quirky, chatty voice. And we decided along the way, and it was it was not an easy process, but we decided along the way that Susan's voice should really be the voice of the book because mm -hmm. it was much more in keeping with what we were trying to do. So I learned how to write like Susan. I, by the way, I can, I can write more, more seriously also. I just thought the book needed to have a fun tone and shouldn't be ponderous, that's all. So for example, um, there's a question about the pumpkin pie. So the book is in question and answer format. So for example, pumpkin pie, what's the secret of the pumpkin pie? And the answer is, if we told you, it wouldn't be a secret. Now, <laughs> that particular sentence, I remember that, but that's the kind of- And I was, I, I was channeling my inner Susan when I wrote that. <laughs> curious. I was thinking, how would Susan answer that? And I said, well, if we told you, it wouldn't be a secret. So, but we had a lot of fun with it. It's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually think this is such a beautiful interview about writing and collaboration for young people. Like I just, I can see all of these things that happen in school sort of like coming, uh, being questioned, right? Like, do I have to do all my research and then start writing? Like, what's the right voice? How do I work with another person? Um, this is fantastic. And this idea that it is hard work and it's fun. <laughs> and it really, um, the amount of, okay, I'm not going to tell you where, uh, but um, you know, have you ever heard about fine Asian rugs, Persian rugs? There's always one um, flaw in them on purpose, just so that mm -hmm. it would be perfect. Well, there's one place in the book where we misspelled something very important and um, it's horrifying. And, um, you know, all the proofreaders in the world didn't catch this. It's just horrifying. So it just goes to show. It's a treasure hunt now. You really have to proofread carefully. I mean, like really. Yeah, I mean. I'm, I'm all a... your eyes and cross all your T's and really be careful because it's in print. And somebody said to us, well, do you, is it in every copy? Yes. That's <laughs> it's, it's all. It's magically not in this copy. All 100,000 copies. Yeah. Um, wow. One, one other aspect of the writing that uh, was a great challenge. Um was getting it down, cutting it down to size. We had a memorable call. We were in the, the city of Jalapa, Mexico, because we needed an X for mm. the X, and Jalapa begins with an X. And so we're sitting there, and we get a we get an email from our uh, 
uh, art director, production manager, a wonderful woman named Bonnie Siegler, who runs a studio called Eight and a Half here in, uh, in actually it's in Connecticut. Eight and a uh, Half New York. Eight and a Half New York, gifted. I'm sorry. Very and talented. she's very gifted, very talented. And she emails us and says, guys, I need to speak to you urgently. And so we do a Zoom with her. And she says, listen, you know, I've been laying the book out. You want it to be about 250 to 300 pages. As it stands right now, it'll be about 600 to 700 pages. And we look at each other. And this, and we have a deadline to hit. And we look at each other and think, oh, my God. This is in, this is in January of 20, 2023. 2023. So we're, we're barreling toward the cliff edge here. And we had just spent two or three weeks holed up in a hotel in Midtown Manhattan, trying to finish the book over the holidays. Everyone else was saying, ho, ho, ho. We were saying, oh, no, no. <laughs> we, we thought we had finished it. And now we'd sprung this huge leak. And this was something David experienced with his Fermi book, where he had written know, 15 or 20 pages about fascist architecture, which is a really interesting part of being in Italy when Enrico Fermi is alive. But it doesn't belong in a book about Enrico Fermi to the tune of 25 or 30 pages. So we had a similar problem here. We had to hack it down. Yeah, but but in, in the Fermi case, my editor gave me like a 60 page, type page roadmap of where to cut, how to cut 40 or 50,000 words from the manuscript. In this case, we didn't have that roadmap. Right. So so I'll be very honest with you. It was really Susan's doing because I, I am terrible at that kind of stuff. Susan was very good at cutting all the extraneous stuff out of the book. Really, just boil it down to the essence. It was kind of, you know, our editor later on um, said that it's sort of, um, it's very hard for writers to cut their own writing. I, I didn't find it that hard. I just found it like, oh my God, we better do this now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 600 pages was not on. Yeah. So by the end, I mean, within three weeks, we had cut, you know, cut it by 50%. Yeah. Which, and and you, you see how the book is organized. It it meant that you had to drop some questions. It meant that you had to shorten some some answers. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was a complicated process. But back to the process of writing and things that you know useful for teaching writing, luck is so important. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, just the dumb luck of knowing somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who could introduce us to somebody who could introduce us to somebody that played out time and time again. And then hard work is really important because if you have if you work hard but you're not lucky you get nowhere. If you're lucky and don't do any work, you get nowhere. You really need mm -hmm. the company. And that's something we learned from Costco because these two guys, Jim Sinegal and Jeff Brotman, they had this, this idea to do this. I mean, they got it from a man named Saul Price. It had been done already, but they did it in Seattle and they just threw it all at the wall and it worked. And they were very, very grateful. And they still are to this day of how lucky they were because a lot of things went wrong, but it still worked out okay. And they're yeah. still very, very careful not to take it for granted. That's really good life advice, I think, and definitely writing advice. Um, do you two think that you will write another book together? <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. I think the odds are yes. Um, we have some ideas for for future books. Um, we we also we're going to publish uh, another edition of this book in in uh, in a foreign language, probably mm. in South in Korean. Because mm -hmm. South Korea is just a hotbed of Costco fanaticism. I mean, they just love it there. And uh, they love it all through the Far East. But mm -hmm. the South Korea is probably the first target. So we we imagine, but but that's going to be a very different process because we don't write 
Korean. And we're going to have to have a translator. We're going to have to have people read it. But it isn't really us writing it anymore. But in terms of other books, yes, definitely. I can, I can see us writing together again. Um, nice. you know, we, Susan has a, some, a great idea for a children's book. Uh, you know, we, we have other ideas. So, yeah. I mean, we, we worked together for 15 years before yeah. this, um, doing executive search. And so we were used to working together and writing together. Our apartment, we haven't mentioned yet, is 450 square feet. That's you, why you were in a hotel room for weeks. No, actually it's not. It was because oh. we, <laughs> we needed to get away because our next door neighbor was having a party that wouldn't end. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, but we, um, you know, we we live and work together in a very small space and we're, we're unusual that way. We, we're very lucky. Um, a lot of people don't like to spend that much time with their spouse and we have complementary skill sets. So yeah. I think another Seems book like would be a lot of fun. Um, David thought he was going to write another book on his own, but that's not happening. <laughs> well, I may still write up one on my own, yeah, but we, we, yeah. we enjoy writing, yeah. writing together. Um, one of the people we got to meet in the process who just recently passed away is Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner in Berkshire Hathaway. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, Charlie actually um, did a blurb for our book and spent a lot of time with us talking about Costco. He's, he was on the board of Costco for a long time and um, it was one of his absolute favorite companies. Um, in fact, somebody told us a story recently that Charlie was at a Berkshire Hathaway board meeting, um, a shareholder meeting, and he kept talking about Costco so much that finally Warren Buffett turned to him and said, Charlie, it's a Berkshire Hathaway meeting. We're not at Costco. <laughs> uh, say that, you know, Charlie, um, Charlie says this great thing about Warren. He says that he and Warren, their relationship, um, if Warren would disagree with him, he would turn to him and say, I know you're going to agree with me because you're smart and I'm right. So I've been saying, <laughs> like, he's smart and I'm right. Uh, oh, that's lovely. But, you know, it, it, it takes, um, it takes a certain temperament to be able to work well together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I like to say that I have very little ego in my work, but that's not actually true. I mean, I actually have a fair amount of ego in my work. I think most people do. Mm -hmm. um, but the trick is to, to after, after you've, you've finished defending your beautiful writing that cannot be changed under any circumstance, you you have to have the temperament to be able to sit back and think maybe it needs to be changed. Awesome. And, and that's a process that every every successful writer goes through that because right. every successful writer has an editor who's right. going to do that. Susan yeah. in in this case was my editor, I was her editor and we worked together like that. David um actually uh, at times can be can seem to be very easygoing, which he really is, but then also be very like, no, that's not what's going to happen. So for example, the name of the company, but then he would turn around and surprise me. So I said, um, when we decided to publish ourselves, I said, oh, I know, let's call it Hot Dog Press. And he said, absolutely not. That's not a serious name. We need a serious name. And a couple of days later, he turned to me and said, I know what the logo should be. And I said, for what? And he said, Hot Dog Press. I said, what? <laughs> I thought you said so there you go. Um, there you go. Another thing we haven't touched on is that you need to love your topic more oh, than you God, ever yes. could imagine god yes so we have the, the the good test for this is that we no longer have any friends because no one wants to hear any more about costco <laughs> you have to have enough passion for your project that none of your friends will want to talk i, to I, I was at a at a, a dinner party uh last week and i was sitting next to a woman and I really feel very sorry for her because in retrospect, she must have had a nightmarish experience. All I was talking about was Costco. 
So mm-hmm. just a nightmare. But you know, the thing is, when you start off with uh, with a project, a writing project, and I felt this way with Fermi too. Um, it is such a commitment psychologically, in terms of energy, in terms mm-hmm. of time, in terms of resources, that you know you have to be really sure that you know you're not going to wake up a year or two from now and think, why am I doing this? Right. Um, and part of part of it is choosing a topic that interests you, and part of it is having a, a, an instinct about whether there's anything that will happen along the way that you don't like. I mean. I loved doing the research on Enrico Fermi. I loved writing about him. He's still one of the most interesting people I could ever want to meet. And of course, he's long dead. Uh, <laughs> aside from you. Why okay. not? Why not? But, but, you know, the Costco project, we started out with, with thinking that this is one of the great companies in the world. And, you know, our big fear was that we would lift up a rug and, and see something yeah. horrible underneath it. The fact is, we we never really did. I mean, yeah. they made mistakes. They're, they're human. They they sometimes do stuff wrong, but you know, we were at, we are as enthusiastic about the company now, even more so actually than we were when we started, because our enthusiasm when we started was based on on impressions and and a whole lot of ignorance, and our enthusiasm today is based on a great deal of knowledge. Right. So. I mean, I would call it the desert island test. If you're willing to go to a desert island and be stranded with your topic for like 10 years, that's a good test, that that's a good topic for you to pick. Yeah, because you really, I mean, you really need to be willing to spend a lot of time on this. Yeah. Well, I just want to say it's been lovely talking to you both about your, your writing process, your publishing process, your collaboration process. Um, I would also like to say, David, about that woman at the dinner party, if she was anything like people who keep seeing the book in my office, maybe she loved every minute of it. Because I do have to say that since I started carrying this book around, friends I've known for 30 years, I suddenly know they're like huge Costco fans. I had no idea. People are like, where do I get that book? Can I buy it from my mom? Can I, I'm sending it to my sister. I mean, it is. People like to talk about Costco, as it turns out, and your book is such a great um, vehicle to like get people talking about something that they love. It's funny, we, we met a pharmacist um, at a warehouse, and she said, when I'm at a party, if people say, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a pharmacist, they kind of yawn or look away. And then she says, at Costco, and that's it. They want to know everything. So there's something about the company that's just, um, just magical. It's enchanting, know? it is. And they really, the, from top to bottom, the people there are just decent. You know, mm-hmm. you haven't lived until you've been sitting there having a hot dog with Jim Sinegal at the Issaquah Food Court. This is the co-founder of the company. And he sees a dirty napkin on the floor. And he, excuse me a second, he goes over and he picks it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from spending time with Costco senior management, I find myself incapable of walking through a warehouse and not picking up all the dirt on the floor. Not that there is much, but just, you know, that's that starts at the top and it goes all the way down through the right. company. They, they treat people decently. It's really, yeah. it's a nice thing in this day and age. Yeah. Uh, that's so, that's so lovely. I want to say to listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this show. You should share with your young writers. And I would say you should buy 
The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. You should buy this book for yourself and all your loved ones who love Costco. And you should also buy it as a mentor text to show, to think about different ways that young writers might organize their research and write. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Susan and David. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you so, so much, much for having us. And thank you, listeners. This has been another episode of NWP Radio. NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP Radio.